listeners, welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. Coming at you. C- c- coming at you. <laughs> D- direct from the Thunderdome. <laughs> the Thunderdome. <laughs> Match this energy over here. I always I always love the idea of the Thunderdome. I don't like I know that that's from Mad Max. Uh, which and I've the, never seen. It's like the third Mad I think it's the third Mad Max movie. I did not know there were more than two. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know why, but if I had a dome, I would definitely want to call it the Thunder Dome. That's the that's the that's the the good name for a dome. I would name it the Bubble Dome. The Bubble Dome. Yeah, because it's a bubble. Or maybe the Bio Dome and go the Poly Shore direction. No, no, <laughs> no Poly Shore. Get, you get back. You get over there. Get out of here, Poly hey, Shore. Hey, buddy. No. <laughs> I can't have my terrible Poly Shore impression. That's okay. He's terrible. Actually, I don't know. I've never met him. I'm sure it's very nice. Actually, <laughs> yeah. We just lost Poly Shore. Oh, Poly Shore, one of our longtime listeners. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Poly Shore. Oh, well. Yeah. But welcome back, uh, Shelly Poor. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, do some, let's do some next session help. That yes. went in a strange direction. I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to do some next session this help. Is, I blame you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next session help comes from, ah, Lion95. Oh, that is the reaction I would have to 95 Lions. It's um AA Lion 95, so it Ma- could be Maybe he's a lion from the 90s. Or a lion Like he was born in the 90s. A lion on Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a, that's a possibility. He's I'm a glad lion. he's getting help. Yeah, he's a lion getting help. Yeah, I'm really glad for that. Maybe they have their 95th chip. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's a long time. Good Do job. lions live that long? I doubt it. I, we don't have time. <laughs> well, I don't want to I don't want to bring uh Lion 95 down also. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Lion says. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was a good, that was a good transition. I Thank like you. that. A Lion says, arena fight for one player? My players have arrived in an important city, and one of them is playing a character that has a background as a gladiator. So his goal is to fight in the city's arena. When he spoke with the arena guild, I, as an NPC hoped to invite the rest of the party to come along into the arena so that I could make that a fun encounter for everyone. However, nobody other than him wanted to enter the arena as they would rather watch the fight from the audience. I was caught a bit off guard, so to say. <laughs> that's, that's just such a, such a classic reaction. Oh, yeah. My question is, how can I make an interesting arena fight for just the one player? I don't want to make the fight less of a thing for the gladiator player, but I also don't want to make it a boring time for the rest of the party. What do you do? Wow. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> so I've, I've definitely had this kind of reaction. You know, you're, you're just hoping, I've got this great setup. Here's my great setup, everyone. And then they make a choice that is just so... So boring. obviously not, yeah the, yeah, the really boring choice of the two choices. <laughs> you can sit and watch a fight, or you can be in the fight. No, we'll just sit and watch. Yeah, we'll that watch. sounds really dangerous. Oh, yeah. Why would I want to endanger myself? <laughs> Why would I want to do that? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, You have done a couple of this kind of thing before, where someone is, like, playing in a battle of the bands, and how do you support as a crowd-type character? Um, So I know that there are some things you could do to rally behind the one gladiator who's fighting. That's true. Um, some some ways that you could do this, one one kind of hilarious way that you could do this is, especially if it's going to be short, 
um, and you can keep the fight, you know, to a to a reasonably short amount of time, is you give all of the other players absolutely mundane and stupid things for them to do in the audience that have no impact on anything, which is a way of responding to their choice of saying, you would like to do the boring, uninteresting thing that has no impact on the campaign? Let me give you some hilariously boring and uninteresting things for you to do. This is like malicious compliance via D&D. It is. Um, and so then petty. you make you make everybody like roll initiative in combat, and obviously the one player in the arena is actually doing <laughs> combat, and everybody else has moves like eat popcorn, um, order hot dog. Oh, oh man, <laughs> roll to see if it gets stuck in your throat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Between your teeth. You can try to toss it in the air, but you have a much lower lower chance of success. <laughs> your target number is much higher. I'm just imagining from um, Avatar when they're all watching the boulder yeah. and Toth. Yeah. And Sokka's just like. Like go the boulder, yeah. and he's just going crazy. Get off the boulder! Yeah, you can have like cheer. You can have attempt to start a wave. Um, you can have like get the get the attention of the of the um, you know uh, cheer people on the sidelines. Um, you know, put together like a list of here are the actions that you can take while you're in the audience. Um, that I would I would that's a fun joke, and I would do that if. I knew that the combat itself was actually going to be short, you know, a, a, a quarter of a session or a third of a session, not enough to take up the whole amount of time. I wouldn't want my players to, to show up to a session and literally spend an entire session or worse, multiple sessions um, doing nothing with their character right. for the sake of a joke that is a response to their sort of odd choice. Right. Um, so, so that would be fun, and I would do that, but only as a small joke that took up a small amount of time. Now, what you could do is you could have the fight start with the gladiator in and in the stands, and I'm assuming that they are coming to the city and it's their first time in the city. They don't know all the social rules or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the gladiator starts the fight, and then suddenly, like maybe in the middle of the first fight or the second fight, like if they advance to the next round, they look into the stands and everyone's gone. Ooh, that'd be interesting. And then the next round, they all pop up as combatants. Oh, oh that's it, that's true. Yeah. Suddenly, it's a, I know him from work situation. <laughs> sure, yeah. Now <laughs> you're fighting like, each other. Yeah, you, you have, have to, to fight each other. You have to make it convincing. Yeah, which um, is always a lot of fun. Right, and that that could be a how do we get out of this situation and go. I'm not sure what the what the main uh, sort of plot thing is here. Um, some other ideas that you could do is you could have the players play the other combatants. Hand them some character sheets for these enemies. Oh yeah, and let them play the enemies against the the player who's in the the arena. And then, you know, you can say, feel free at any time to describe what your character is doing in the stands, but they're watching this whole thing, not participating. So, so they, you know, they they're cheering for the wrong person or something. Oh, yeah. You know, you, know, you can, how cool you is can that? play that up. That then you as the DM get to play the referee and be like, that's valid or that's not valid or whatever, because right. you can still have a little bit of control or. You could go get yourself a drink, go get some food, and watch. Um, that that's Rest a possibility. Your voice. <laughs> I mean, you you probably still have to describe the outcomes of everything that are that is happening. You could also play. You know, you could have uh, five or six enemies that the gladiators fighting against all at once that are sort of lower level enemies, and you make it clear to the players like the goal is our gladiator friends going to win this. I expect you to do what you can as a combatant in this thing, trying to survive. And you could still have the game master as the game master. You could still 
play like a big a big bad guy that's also there or something like that you know the the general or the heavier armored guy or something like that um if you wanted to still have a regular npc that could be playing a role um where you can have a little bit more control over it too yeah absolutely um another way that you could do this if you are wanting if if part of the problem here is that the plot is going to go and center around this gladiator thing for a long time and it's not just a one-off battle or something a chance for this player to be a gladiator but that you want the player to be a gladiator's um goals to be a little bit ruined um in the in interest of making for an interesting story one possible direction that you could go here would be that they cheat and the gladiator player sees it and the players see it and the rest of the audience don't oh yeah and so they cheat as a way of of maybe making it seem like the gladiator cheated and now he can be imprisoned and they can force him to fight and it's not an option anymore. Or that he will never be able to fight in a state-sanctioned arena again or whatever. Right. Um, or you could cheat in such a way that the players then feel like they have to intervene to save their friend because because clearly the the tide, the tables have been turned really strongly against him. Um, maybe he's poisoned and, and so he's weakened, uh, but nobody sees that. But the players know their friend well enough to know, hey, what's going on? Um, and you can make them roll checks or whatever to be like, you you think there's something suspicious happening here. And so you could play up that direction to basically encourage the other players to literally jump from the audience into the combat to try to save their friend or to try to intervene in some other way like... Which uh, which could cause a um, audience free for all, right? Um, which would be very interesting. And then you've got, you know, a uh, uh, maybe a little bit of a political campaign against whoever is running these gladiator um, uh, matches, um, or whoever's in charge, or something like that. What what kind of um, gripe or what kind of what kind of you know conflict do they have? Maybe they know the gladiator I, from the past. I bet there's some plots that you could steal from all of the. Uh, Pokemon TV show where he has to go fight in Pokemon oh, sure. battles and, and stuff. And the Pokemon Stadium ones especially. Oh right? yeah, I bet there's there's some there's some gold there that you could you could mine. There's also a uh, I mean you could also see the movie The Gladiator, which is a great you know moment of inspiration for a lot of this and is that is literally a thing that happens in that movie. <laughs> spoiler. Uh, yeah, spoilers a little bit for a movie from. The late 90s? The early 2000s? It was okay. a long time ago. Give it a guess. Give it a guess. <laughs> I'm going to say 2002. 2000. Oh, I was real close. You were close. Gladiator 2, when did that come out? Uh, There's a Gladiator 2? Trick question. <laughs> Actually, there will be in 2024. What? Yeah. Is it Russell Crowe? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. That's the real question. Um, either way, I, I, like, I like those things. And you're absolutely right, Alion, that... You know, this is a circumstance where you really want to make it interesting for all the players involved. Um, there is absolutely times where I'll split up the party, where I'll give a single player a pretty big spotlight. But even when I do that, I always want to make sure that I'm gauging the table at all times. I'm really looking for, are the other players engaged in the spotlight that's being provided for this one player. And I want to be ready to end that early or to bring it to a close and then get everybody involved or have something that's, that's you know, prepared right afterwards to get everybody engaged in something. I don't mind having a moment, a role-playing moment, or even a combat where there's one player who's the real focus 
of that whole experience because sometimes that can be a really wonderful way for everybody at the table to really provide support for their for their friend and for and for the amazing thing that's going on but i'm always stay very attuned to the table whenever i provide something like that to make sure that it's staying interesting for everyone i agree the goal is engagement um i want everybody to be engaged which is why i think what i would do based on what we just talked about is the uh here's some monsters everyone can play a monster against them especially if this is intended to be just like a it's just a fun fight you fight you fight as the gladiator you fight in the arena you earn a little bit of gold you go back to your main mission your main quest or whatever then that is probably the easiest one that's still a blast everybody gets to have a fun time you can make some interesting bad guys like like they don't have to be humanoids you could be like you're fighting some displacer beasts. Like here, yeah. here's everybody. You know, you've got you've got your character sheets for these beasts or for these for these. You know, you're fighting a mimic. You know, <laughs> um, uh, you could even go so far as to say everybody pick a CR one monster. You know, here's a list of CR one monsters. Everybody gets to pick one. That's oh, yeah. what you're fighting. What comes out next? Yeah, which which could be a lot of fun as well. Of of like, um, I I balanced it by by using the CR system. And now I want to give you ch- time to to you know have a chance to engage in a in a fun way in this in this activity. So yeah, you could also roll to see what comes out next. Right, yeah. random chance is always a really fun one there yeah. too. Yeah. All right, moving on to uh, Isar forty two. Isar. Isar forty two. Lots of double A's today. Yeah. Isar forty two asks. In my Eberron campaign, the party is fighting Dask, which is a gang in Sharn, and there is a casino I have called the Grin and Gamble Goblin Casino. Great name. What kind of things would you populate in this casino? This is a front for Dask, but the patrons are mostly just normal people who want to gamble. There will be private rooms that can be used by patrons and gang leaders for meetings. Interesting. The Grin and Gamble... Um, so there's a there's an interesting question here, which is, will the players try to play the games? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I've had this happen before, where where some of the what you want to populate a, a casino with is set dressing, right? Um, you want to think about casinos as being a they are a spectacle, um, and so when you're when you're coming into this casino, do you, you want to think about is this like a dark shady casino that's operating? You know, under the table, and so they're not going to have big bright lights, uh, but but it's still the spectacle of of the like dark shady dealings kind of kind of space. Or is it the the big Ve- brights, Vegas the Vegas, showroom. yeah, the Vegas showroom? Um, in which case, being able to put in things that that seem amazing to look at and to and to like, I can't believe they even have that. You know, here's a Here's a five-story tall stone golem that's holding up the roof of this casino or oh, something like and that. out and of its mouth comes the chocolate waterfall yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like here's some wild spectacle things. Um, the the Grin and Gamble Goblin Casino, I have to imagine, maybe is staffed by all goblins. And so oh, yeah. there's, there's, you know, goblins walking around in like bright outfits and, and tuxedos and, and, and uh, you know, dance clothes and stuff like that. And they're going to shows and there's shows going on. So being able to, to put some of the set dressing on on all of that in your description of this place, I think is really worthwhile. You also don't have to describe all of the games. So when you imagine a casino, there's actually a lot of games going on. If, you, if you've ever been to like a Vegas style casino, a lot of the times there are a sort of 
sanction into sections, right? There's oh, yeah. like all the there's lots and lots of um, so uh, it goes card games, dice games, slot machines, right. roulette, sports betting. Usually there's entertainment shows. There's going to be a VIP or lounge area. There's going to be a bar and a restaurant. There's going to be security and surveillance. And there's going to be um, currency exchange where you can get your chips and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Um, and, and you also often have, you know, a bunch of oddball games and stuff like that um, that oh, are like. Enough said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Like, like. Uh, Sports betting dominoes. Um, which is a, a reference to um, Ocean's 13, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, so you can also have some, some little oddball games. You don't actually have to populate all of these, right? Um, more or less, uh, stuff like the, um, slot machines, stuff like the slot machines can be one game. You don't have to make a million slot machines oh, yeah. in your, in your game mastering. I mean, you um, could, if you wanted to, you know, there's a bunch of different kinds of card games. So it could be like, there's a bunch of poker like blackjack tables or whatever, but whatever right. you're going to put into this casino, assume the players are going to mess with it. Yes. They're going to go to it if you tell them it exists. And very likely they're going to try to win money because the goal of the players in any kind of casino circumstance is can I beat the house? That's right. always that's right. always the goal. Um, and if you, and I've done this before, um, if you attempt to, to be the house, be the casino, you better come in with either games that clearly lean in the favor of the casino, um, or you you better know how to run these games. So you can't say, oh, there's blackjack tables if you don't actually know how to play blackjack. Um, and you can't say there's poker tables if you don't actually know how to play poker. The challenge being that your players may sit down at that table and go, I want to play some poker. And then uh, you can either... <laughs> Play, play poker. poker. Now you're playing poker at your table, which is, you know, sometimes that's fun. Sometimes you have a really good time all doing that together. Um, or you have to basically be like, cool, roll me some dice. Let's see how well you do at poker. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, which, is, which is a good way to sort of end that experience quickly um, if you need to. So, so those are usually your two options whenever you're, you're going to propose this. This is also a fantastic opportunity to put in some completely oddball, hilarious, fantasy-style games. Yeah, like throwing daggers at a spinning target, but right. the target is, is like painted a, like a, a roulette spiral. wheel or something. Yeah, you know, um, what, can, what can you hit? Something like that. Um, and it gives you an opportunity to have things that are maybe magical effects, maybe maybe kind of hilarious outcomes, but also gives you the opportunity that if the casino wants to, and it's important to the plot, the casino can cheat. Oh, absolutely. Which is one of the biggest downsides to something like blackjack is that if you actually physically play blackjack at your table, it is hard for you to cheat in a way where the players can't obviously tell that you're cheating. <laughs> um, so... Being able to have some like magical games gives you that gives you that opportunity that if you want to make sure that the players are not winning a lot of money, maybe for good plot reasons, that you have the chance to be like, oh yeah, you threw that dagger and it almost hit that jackpot, but instead somehow it didn't, okay. uh, even though you rolled a natural twenty, huh? Kind of funny that it worked that way, isn't oh, it? Oh well. Oh well. I think the bouncer in this casino needs to be a beholder who gets paid really handsomely for their efforts. Oh, yeah, that's everything. pretty good. The head of security is a beholder. Yeah. And wears a, a snazzy bow tie. Maybe he's he's like the guy on the monitors. 
Oh, he just floats. He, he's no, the he's the he pit, is he's the, the pit, he's the pit boss. He is the monitor. He yeah. floats above the entire casino, just yeah, just looking, looking at, at everything. everything. Yeah, it, that's that's a great idea. I think that'd be a lot of fun. There's also the, always the opportunity to say something like, um, "The real person who owns the casino might be a dragon," because if oh. there's anybody who would love to own a casino. It would be a dragon. <laughs> it would be a blue dragon. Oh, because why, they're why a blue dragon? they're lawful, um, evil, greedy, and highly intelligent. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, the secret. I feel blue like that's dragon. that's true of a lot of different dragons, but uh, it sounds good to me. I don't know why couldn't be a blue dragon. That sounds awesome. <laughs> it's a blue dragon. Okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I do say so. You know what? You know what? It's a blue dragon. Yeah. Is our? It's a blue dragon. Yeah. There you go. See, I'm trying to think if there were. Uh, I I have invented sort of hilarious gambling games in the past. Um, oftentimes, dice are great for this kind of thing because you players already literally have dice at the table, um, and so you can do games that are sort of like the um, dice bluffing game uh, from Pirates of the Caribbean, which is a. Uh, I won't explain on the podcast, but you can look up a video of how the dice bluffing game works. Um, you can do just sort of roll-off games. You can do craps. Um, craps is kind of complicated. It's it would be worthwhile for you to to look up videos on on how it's the rules really of craps work. It's just really fun to work. say. Yeah, I I know I've created some games in the past. I'm drawing a blank at the moment for for what kinds of games I have I have created before. Um, I definitely have had some games that are like pick a random tube or something to reach into and like get get something and it's either something junk or something worthwhile and then i've had stuff with hilarious outcomes where it's like pie in the face kind of kind <laughs> of like prankstery outcomes for however you're playing the game i think a lot of the times when i do this usually it's carnival games okay all right i don't know how you feel about this but i i i posted into um a, a an ai chat just to see what it would cook oh could come yeah up sure why not okay so I, uh, the prompt was D&D style casino game ideas. And it says here are some D- Dungeons and Dragons style casino game ideas. Sorcerer's Solitaire, a variation of Solitaire using a custom deck of magical cards. They can use spells, artifacts, or abilities to manipulate the cards and increase their chances of winning. I suppose so. Boy, like the most boring thing you could possibly do at a table. This is a computer. I want I want I want you to play Solitaire. <laughs> uh, Dragon's Dice, a dice game where players roll special dragon-themed dice to try and get specific combinations. Goblin's Gold Slots, which is on theme. Yeah. Um, a slot machine with reels that feature goblins, treasures, and magical items. Each winning combination could trigger unique effects, like casting a spell, summoning creatures, or unlocking hidden bonuses. I like that one. There you go. Enchanted Enigma Roulette, a roulette table where the numbers correspond to different magical enchantments or spells. Players can place bets on a desired enchantment and hope the ball lands on the number. Well, that's fun because now you're winning enchantments instead of yeah, instead of money. Bard's Bazaar. Instead of traditional gambling games, players participate in a bazaar-style trading game. They can buy, sell, trade, magic items. That reminds me of Pit. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose there is also the opportunity here that you can incorporate another role, another board game, um, where you just add some some gambling rules along with whatever board game it is you're playing. Yeah, isn't there a board game specifically about a D and D style gambling, like a Red Dragon Inn or something? Is there? Uh, yeah, uh, Red Dragon Inn. 
You and your friends are a party of heroic fantasy adventurers. You've raided the dungeon, killed the monsters, and taken their treasure. Now you're back, and what better way to celebrate your most recent victory than to spend an evening at the Red Dragon Inn? You and your adventuring com- companions will spend the night drinking, gambling, and roughhousing. Well, there you go. You just shove everything off the table and throw this game <laughs> down. Play, play, play some Red Dragon Inn. In character. Right? Cool. Well, uh, eyes are 42. I hope that that is enough um, to get you going, get yeah. you started. Don't forget the Beholder <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the right? Blue Dragon. I do think that one thing to really think about here is um, what role the casino is going to play in your campaign. Well, we already know that it's a front for Dask. Right. The criminal organization. So if if all the casino is is set dressing and you just want to have a couple of games in the background that if the players decide that they want to join into them, you've got them ready, then that's fine. I wouldn't go into a crazy amount of work designing those games in that case. I would I would have a couple of real basic options, and I would describe the games in general terms when the players ask about them. And focus on the private rooms in the back. Right, that they're clearly going to go meet this Dask person. No, Dask is the gang, is the crime organization. Oh, I'm sorry. That they're clearly going to go meet this crime organization representative of some kind. If if that's all the case, then the question is like, like, are the players going to be engaging in this casino or is it really just kind of a passing through um, moment and you just want to have a couple of games in your back pocket in case the players decide to engage in those? That would, for me, determine what what kind of, you know, descriptions I want to go in through and, and especially what kind of effort I want to go into making those those games. I personally wouldn't put a lot of effort into making a whole ton of games if I thought that we're literally going to like stop over here, maybe play one game, then get on with the rest of the campaign. Right. Makes sense. But lots of set dressing, like the beholder floating above the thing or a bunch of oozes cleaning all the bathrooms. That That's fun um, and can tie into your city or world later. I do love the bathrooms being cleaned by a gelatinous cube. Yeah, it just... It just, like, slowly makes its way across the <laughs> bathroom. It's on a track that, like, features all the bathrooms. Yeah. So, like, like don't get caught. Yeah. It's cleaning time. Yeah. This bathroom is cur- currently being cubed. <laughs> <laughs> do not go in. Yeah. Go in Please under your own enter. risk. <laughs> yeah. Do not pee on the cube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that it's not, I mean, it's fine. It's just, you know, we don't want people getting that close. It's, the cube is just full of um, boxes of toilet paper and stuff. Like, it's supplies. <laughs> yes, it drops off supplies as it yeah. as it goes along. That's pretty great. Love it. Hey, uh, let's take a break. Taking a break. Adam. Yeah. Are you back? I'm back. I'm back. Hey. We're back. We're back. Guess who's back? Back again. Uh, uh, Me. Oh, you're back. (laughs) Oh, okay. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. All right. (laughs) Um, But let's uh, go to Ask a GM. Let's do it. Adam, do you want to play the role of the GM in this uh, exchange? And I will ask the question. That sounds great. I love it. That's pretty much how it always goes. (laughs) Yeah, but for this time. <laughs> um, this question comes from Spetzel. 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 Love it. Like isn't a pretzel. That, isn't that like a isn't that like a like a German snack? Yeah. Like a spetzel? Yeah, like I don't a... know if it's spelled the same way though. Oh, I was... Maybe not. It's not. Spetzel the food is either 
S P A with umlaut T Z L E. Yeah, it's like the the noodles or whatever. Or S P A E T Z L E. Okay, that sounds. And this person is not spelled. Is not spelled that way. All right, welcome Spetzel, spelled slightly differently. (laughs) They say, does empowered evocation apply to each round of a duration spell? The text of empowered evocation is potentially ambiguous. Beginning at 10th level, you can add your intelligence modifier to one damage roll of any wizard evocation spell you cast. I can't find any ruling or indeed much discussion on whether the plus intelligence mod gets added again each round. For example, Sickening Radiance or Dawn. I suppose Dungeon Masters could interpret one damage roll as just the first round you roll damage, although I believe this was part of an errata that clarified it was just for one of the dice, not each of them. Hmm, this is a really interesting question. So the the reading Empowered Evocation says, beginning at 10th level, you can add your intelligence modifier to one damage roll of any wizard evocation spell you cast. Based on the wording alone... I would rule I would I would say that the raw here is probably that you only get to add it once even for a duration based spell because it says very specifically add intelligence modifier to one damage roll of any wizard spell cast so therefore you're not recasting the spell and you cannot add your intelligence modifier to any further rolls however if it's being maintained I would probably personally rule that it would be fine with me if the if the wizard wanted to add the bonus to one of their spells each turn. But I think that's more of a personal ruling, and I don't think that's actually rules as written. Yeah, I would say it's pretty clear it only works for one damage roll. Not one damage roll per enemy, or one damage roll per round, or right. one damage roll per turn. Yeah, unfortunately, in the case of of a maintained spell or a concentrated spell that that lasts for a duration, it seems like this particular effect isn't just not helping you that much. Yeah, um, which is fine. You know, some it's going to be more um, potent and beneficial to to spell effects that are more instantaneous. I think in a, in a lot of ways, this is one of those circumstances where being really clear with the player about I think this is how we're going to rule this becomes really, really important. So if a player, you know, is looking forward to this ability and finally hits level 10 and then starts using the ability and they had a really specific, like they're going to use Flame Sphere or whatever and they're going to roll it around, it's going to do all this extra damage and being able to be really specific with the player to say, just so you know, like that ability is not going to add every single round or every single dice roll. It's only um, for the initial casting. Right. You cast it once. Right. Just because it's maintaining doesn't mean that it's recasting. Right. Um, so I think I think being able to be really clear with the player. If I had a player that was really upset about it, I might say, okay, well, let's see if we can find something. It, it's way too powerful to let you just add this onto, like, every dice roll or whatever or onto, onto the pieces. And it's clearly not part of the rules, but let's talk about what what would make that still still fun and still interesting for you. Um, is is always a good discussion to have when you have a player who's maybe disappointed that the rules didn't work out the way that they were hoping that they would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that would probably be my my ultimate read on that is <laughs> is I I believe it only applies one time for the duration based spell. There you go. Mm-hmm. Hey, short and sweet on this one. Yeah. 
I wish I had another Ask a GM. If you want to ask your own question, you can go to nextsessionpodcast.com. Oh, but Look, a way to a way to get more of those. Yeah, but <laughs> we're skipping ahead. Instead, we should use that spell. Use that spell. Ah, oh, you were ready for me this time. I was ready. I was ready. All right. Today's use that spell is going to be mispronounced. <laughs> it is Abidalzim's horrid wilting. Yeah. Yeah, right? Why not? Abidalzim's. Abidalzim's. You know, one of the things I always maintain in, in like, D&D stuff is, like, you get to pronounce it however you want to pronounce it. It's a fantasy world. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you're not going to provide a pronunciation, uh, wizards of the yeah. coast, then right. I get to say it how I want. Yeah. Apple dobbles. <laughs> <laughs> so it's apple dobbles, horrid waddling. <laughs> horrid waddling? <laughs> yep. That's what it is. That's how I pronounce that. That Okay. We need to have apple dobbles, horrid wobbling. Yeah, it's like the the joke version of this spell. <laughs> See, that's what we should put on a T-shirt. Yeah, and then people would be like, "What? I don't want to listen to that podcast. They say stuff wrong." And be like, "But that's the joke. Ah, oh, you don't get it. Ah, uh, you don't get it. You're not a true fan. <laughs> what would our fans be called? You know, like Taylor Swift fans are called Swifties. Yeah. What What would next sessionies? <laughs> Nexters. Next Nexters. <laughs> That's great. It sounds like they're a fan of um like neckties. Well, or I was thinking like Napster. Yeah. But like Nexter. Yeah, I have no idea. Or they're they're like a Poindexter. Yeah, that's that seems ex- insulting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Nexters. <laughs> okay. Abby Dalzim's Horrid Wilting is an eighth level spell casting time one action range of 150 feet or a 30-foot area. Components V, S, and M, and the M is a bit of a sponge. Just a little, little bit of a sponge. Um, duration instantaneous, school of necromancy. It says, You draw the moisture from every creature in a 30-foot cube centered on a point you choose within range. Each creature in that area must make a constitution saving throw. Constructs and undead aren't affected, and plants and water elements make this saving throw with disadvantage. A creature takes 12d8 necrotic damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. Non-magical plants in the area that aren't creatures, such as trees and shrubs, wither and die instantly. This is from the Elemental Evil Player's Companion, page 150. Ooh, fun. Uh, oh, it's, it's like, it it's reminds so me... Of Avatar, when um, she takes the water out of the out of all the flowers around her. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. You're like taking the the life force out, right? Oh yeah, horrid wilting indeed. Yeah, I know that we've talked about my construct that wasn't really a construct before, but this would be a terrible spell to be playing a gnome inside of a construct. Oh yeah. Um, where like normally you shouldn't be affected by this. Yeah, but then the, you would make me roll, and they'd be like, "Oh, you don't have to roll. You're not affected." And I was like, "I, mm-hmm. I have to roll. That would be hard." Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think for me, I mean, it, it definitely does a lot of damage. Although it is an eighth level spell, right? Which is it should. It it's honestly not that much damage for an eighth level spell. You know, twelve d eight is a lot of damage, but. This is a, a very high-level spell. <laughs> um, but, you know, it hits an area. I think, for me, the coolest part of this spell is is the, like, visual, the, the way it would be described or the way that it would, it, 
I can imagine it it looking, you know, that that like you're really pulling the life force from everything in the area, including all the targets. Like that that sounds pretty disastrous. But what I want to know is, you literally draw the moisture out, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? You got a ball of water now, right? It's true. And some grossness, depending on the liquid. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's <laughs> pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it just, you know, falls on the ground or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's a good question. What what happens to it? Maybe it just evaporates. Oh, yeah. You know, just it just pulls into the air and, like, and just, it's just gone now. That little bit of sponge is doing a lot of work. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 like, tiny sponge you have in your pocket. Oh, no, she's got a sponge. Ah. Watch out. Can you squeeze it out? Is it like a little? <gasps> it goes into the sponge. It goes into the sponge. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's insane. It's a real effective sponge. I wonder sponge. if you can wring it out and give it back to a water elemental. Oh, you like power your water elemental with the life with the water life force of all the, all the creatures in the area? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. I'd okay. probably allow that. New idea for a bad guy who um, uses this almost exclusively to steal life force energy and powers their water elemental um, army. Mm. Especially if they were like a like a druid or something. Yeah. This has a great like uh, defiler kind of druid feel to it. Like, um, you know, a real evil druid that's all about kind of the death part of nature. This is a druid who primarily res- resides in the desert. Mm-hmm. Who's like death is a part of life, and you guys are are beefing up your magical forest over here, and you're not letting it have natural burns, and you're not letting it die, and I'm I'm here to do the job that you're not willing to do. Yeah, that could be really fun to play off. His name is Abu Dhabi. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. So I think it's good. I think it's a good spell overall. I wish it wasn't level eight. Yeah, what level would you put this at without changing anything else? Um, maybe just down a couple of levels. Like six? Six, maybe seven. Um, it's a 30-foot cube and 12 to 8 damage to each creature, uh, or half as much, on a successful save. And it's got a minor effect of, like, killing, mechanically killing, you know, any, um... Shrubbery. Yeah. Trees and shrubs that die instantly, but, but they're only non-magical plants and that they can't be creatures, so... Uh, so you can't use it to like instantly kill a, you know, a, a, a treant or anything like that. So I don't know. I'd probably say six. It's a lot of damage, but but six or seven I think would be perfectly fine. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. All right. Um, it'd make it more useful because the competition for level eight spells is pretty high. You really only get to have a few of them, um, usually only maybe once a day, at that level. When how often are you really gonna pick this effect over over some of the other really, really powerful level eight spells? What happens if I'm fighting underwater and I use this spell? Does um, it create a, a void of water? Yeah, that that's rushes a good, in? That's a good question. I guess it, it only takes it from creatures, which is answered my own question there. Well, except that it also takes it from plants. Yeah, I'd probably rule that that the it's not it's not a water spell. It is a right. necrosis spell. Right. So you're really, you know, it would make for a really interesting like mystery, like a detective <gasps> is like this this fish fish guy died of dehydration. Oh yeah. Underwater. This fish drowned. <laughs> yeah. 
But like how? How? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't be that they drowned. It would be the opposite of that. Well, right, but like to them being up on dry with you know, it would yeah. they suffocated. Yeah. Um so that'd be really interesting. Dehydration. Oh my gosh, that's that's a good one. All yeah. right, we got two new um, campaign ideas. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> um, hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. We've been doing this for quite some time now, and I hope that we've only gotten better. I I think so. Probably <laughs> the two of us in the room are yeah. agreeing with ourselves. We agree with yeah. ourselves. Good Pat job. Ourselves on the Pat back. On the back. Thanks. Um, well, you can come and send us your questions or send us your feedback. You can go to our website at nextsessionpodcast.com to submit those things. We are on Facebook at The Next Session and on Instagram at Next Session Podcast. So I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. Tune in next time and we'll help you prep for your next session. Goodbye.